I would recommend uh, reading the book, um, Good to Great uh, by Jim Collins. I Love found that, that really book. helpful. I was lucky enough to have a, a PhD advisor that had me read it in grad school, which was great because I didn't, uh, I didn't know I'd ever been in a leadership position at the time. So I think my thoughts were formed really pure before I had any like didn't have any sense of entitlement, you know, which is fantastic. So yeah. now that I'm in it, I can make, I can compare myself to my thoughts of myself back then and make sure, you know, I am, you know, when there's pain points, exec, all the executives, but especially me, you know, endure the most of it, you know, take on the headwinds so that people working for you feel less of them, right? Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur who's grown several businesses into seven and eight figure companies, as well as a founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where we help startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. And if you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com and we're always here to help. Now, today we have another great guest on the podcast and Terry, and is it Cho or Chow? Cho? Uh, you got it, Joe. Yeah. All right. Close, the closest I'm going to get. And I, <laughs> I wanted to put in, I, so this is a complete aside that they'll get into the introduction. So I, I lived in Taiwan for a couple of years. And so that spelling is, it looks oriental to me. So that's why I, the, what comes to my mind when I want to pronounce it. So. Yes. I'm not who pe people expect <laughs> when I present at conferences. They're like, you know, <laughs> I don't <enough>. match. <laughs> So now, now as a quick introduction to Terry, um, so didn't uh, start off as a founder of a company, but worked uh, for a predecessor of a company um, to, um, to uh, do or to watch that for a period of time. What worked for the predecessor, founder of the company, got I think it was a medical condition, split off some or one of the portions of the company, and I think you got or asked to kind of head up that company or kind of take it over. Um, so you kind of kept in touch with the founder. Um, things kind of shifted around. Batons got passed. Things, you know, things adjusted as a company wanting to shut down, having some splits. And then overnight, you had to learn finance and tech support and business development and everything else. Um, you got it some grants with it, I think, that also kept it alive, didn't shut down the division. Um, and then you brings that a bit up, a, a bit to where up to where you're at today. So is that a, with that That's as much right. as a, you accurately captured that roller coaster. <laughs> All right. Well, My with that much as introduction. Very it's, complicated. It's very, That's right. So, Every journey well, is, I guess. That's right. So now, so I gave this that 30 second high level brief overview, but now let's take the listeners just uh, back in time. Tell us a little bit about the beginning, how things got started and uh, let's have a good conversation from there. Thank you. Absolutely. So I did bring a few show and tell items too. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. So um, yeah, the journey really does start with me being a customer of the product Stepwatch. Mm. Um, I started using it in my postdoc and that's mm. how I got connected with uh, Kim Coleman, who, you know, at the time was the founder and president of Sima, who had the technology mm. and, um, and her husband, uh, David Boone is the inventor of that, the algorithm, you know, the Stepwatch mm. itself. Mm. And they hired me back in 2008 as their first research scientist. Mm. And back then they had other things going on. So they also are, uh, created really novel, you know, prosthetics um, and orthotics uh, for people who are missing limbs or are post-stroke mm. and need assistance. And um, in the later years, you know, decided to split off activity monitoring um, to just focus on it in a separate company. So mm. OrthoCare Innovations, which it became, um, 
was focusing on prost you know, prosthetic and, and uh, then step watch split away. Mm -hmm. um, that is around the time uh, Kim uh, had to go on long-term disability. And I kind of brought a picture though of us. So this is us back at OrthoCare back in 2009. You can't really see it because of the glare. That's me mm -hmm. and that's Kim. And uh, uh, yeah, she had um, a rare disease it ended up that she didn't know about. And uh, that was very, very tough. Mm. Um, so when they decided to do the, the split off, um, mm. I was still, you know, just the research scientist and, uh, I, you know, I was not going to be, you know, an executive or a founder of Modus Health. I was to be, uh, the director of clinical research. Mm. So even though I was just at a director level, um, you know, we had a, a really great conversation back in, uh, 2000, you know, 13, just before the company formed. Mm. And uh, she knew me really, really well. And uh, I did feel that she was entrusting me to carry forward her, her early vision, which was to get StepWatch into clinical care. Mm. Um, StepWatch has been primarily a research tool um, and it's still uh, the model she had and used. I have it here. I mean, so mm. it's very old tech, you know, it's from the late nineties, has a docking station. Mm. I, this is still being used in a lot of labs around the world. Um, and, uh, and it, largely because of Kim and, uh, you know, so I, I did what I could, you know, so I, I was kind of in a, only my research corner. So I was a little limited in how I could help and direct the company, but I really, I worked very hard and, um, earned a few grants for the company, but ultimately, mm -hmm. uh, the company, uh, you know, we did not achieve our goals, um, from 2000, early 2000. Uh, you know, 14 was when we hired the next, there were more people <laughs> besides me and the mm. founder, Doug. And um, through uh, spring of 2006, uh, 2016, the board voted to shut down the company. Mm. Um, and so that's normally the end of someone's story <laughs> is when it gets to that point. But, but let me ask one question before yeah. we decide to shut it down, because you mm -hmm. got kind of, we're data analysts and you got kind of thrust into the role of taking over this division that it got branched off. Is that right? And so, you know, how, oh, go ahead. Oh, well, I would say I was never in charge back then. <laughs> I'll be okay. clear about that. But I felt she, I was the one I know, I, I was the expert in StepWatch because it was my job as a research scientist to be the scientist for StepWatch. Mm -hmm. um, and she tr entrusted me, to, you know, to do my best, you know, to protect her vision. Mm. But I'm was somewhat limited in, in how you can do that when you're not an executive, right? So mm. I didn't ha I had very limited leadership power, but I, um, you know, but I could do my best in the, you know, with the tools I've, I was given. Mm. So I didn't get to become a leader until um, much later. So, <laughs> yeah. So when the board voted to shut down the company, mm. um, it, we were out of money. Um, and, uh, in order to stay and continue fighting for it, you know, I had to take a 40% a pay cut because there's just mm. not enough money to pay uh, my full, even director of clinical research salary. You know, mm. benefits needed to be cut. Um, and the only reason I could even be paid 60% of my salary is because I had a Department of Defense grant that paid 40% of it. So mm. really this technology at this point could only afford to pay 20% of my salary. And that was it and no other employees. Mm. So, um, but the role was that they were going to fold 
Stepwatch back into orthocare innovations. It wasn't going supposed to survive at this point on its own. So mm -hmm. Modus was winding down. And I learned later the deadline to have the doors completely shut was the end of 2016. Hmm. Yeah, so uh, so I had a very finite amount of time to change their minds. Hmm. And I, um, you get good luck and bad luck in startups. And I finally got a bit of good luck in that uh, NIH grant that I had written with Marilyn Moy at um, nice. Harvard Medical School ended up getting funded in October 2016. Mm. And that grant was pivotal because it provided money to Modus Health to create the next generation product. So, so let me ask one, so just one question to jump in. So at the time when, you know, you didn't have a very long runway, you only had a, a fairly short period of time to kind of take over for lack of a better, and, you know, and turn things around or figure out how to make money and how to keep things alive. Mm -hmm. Did you know at the time that the, you only had that short runway and did you, it, you know, was that added pressure or benefit or is it stressful or kind of, how did you deal with it? Yeah, I would say, I mean, I think that the pressure was beneficial in the sense that, um, you know, I, I, there was a huge mountain decline, right? And mm -hmm. so there was no, I had to learn things quickly, right? Um, mm. So from day one, from June 2016, um, I was entrusted the run, to run the day-to-day -day of MODIS. So mm. that did mean, so, I you know, I've never looked at a bank statement for business before, right? There was so much to learn. And uh, that, um, I think the pressure was good because I knew if I didn't perform, we would not be able to pay bills. And we still had huge bills in terms of liability insurance because we still have a a medical device that we sell. There's the quality um, program. You have to have follow certain quality procedures on your medical device. There's just so many things that still were in play when you don't shut down. Mm -hmm. So I think the pressure was, um, I, I don't know, it was the hardest period in my life and I wouldn't want to do it again, <laughs> but um, I think it was a necessary um, mm -hmm. because it was the reality, right? The reality was uh, if you didn't bring in funding, you know, if I wanted to hire someone to help me do something, I had to figure out how to pay for it. And so, and I think, uh, I think it was just real, you know, you just needed things to be real and not uh, pretend that it was uh, peachier than it was. No. And, and I, I said, I, I think that there, that's a good outlook in a sense that I think that, you know, sometimes if you know, Hey, I only have this much amount of time, I've either got to make a go of it or it's not going to last. And I've got to learn all these things like that for lack of added pressure, or at least add a realization of what the status is can be a motivator and it can, you know, get you or push you sometimes to where sometimes if you have a, a business or company that, you know, has a bit of cushion, it has a bit of runway, you don't feel that pressure. You can sometimes take your time and you don't move it, move at the pace that you could in order to really make it successful. So it sounds like, oh. you know, that was a good outlook on yours is, Hey, I've got this much. If I'm going to make it go, I've got to be able to generate it. If I want to bring on more people or grow it or anything else, we've got to make th make this work. So I think that that, that certainly makes sense. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and for me, I think it was, um, I think I was willing to put up with more pain than most because it was a huge opportunity for me. Mm -hmm. Um, it wasn't like I've always been a, you know, a CEO of a startup, right? So it wasn't like I could walk away and become, you know, be a leader somewhere else. Like, no, this was kind of like the make it or break it moment where I could, um, see if my ideas work and, and learn a lot. So at a, no matter what happened, I knew I was going to learn a great deal because who, I, I don't, I didn't know of any other situations in which 
you know, a director of clinical research all of a sudden gets that opportunity to learn those skills, right? So it was, um, so that was also a big motivator. No matter what happened, I knew that I was going to learn a great deal that would benefit me. So, mm. so that, that was good too. Yeah. No, so that, that makes complete sense. So now, so you're, you, you taken over, you have your uh, runway for a bit of time. You've got part of your salary covered. You're trying to figure it out. So kind of where did you take it from there? Kind of with that realization sure. where you're at, how did you kind of navigate or how did things go? Wow. Well, even with um, the grant, like there was, <laughs> that we're still, we're still very fragile, right? So that allowed us to create a prototype of our next product. This is this one. So this was our, our previous product, our new product for Bluetooth. Um, it allowed us to create this prototype, but it wasn't enough money to bring it to market. Mm. And it wasn't, um, and I'm still was not paid a full salary. So I'm still at 60% of my salary only employee, but I now had funds to pay for consultants to do engineering work. So now I can, I can move the needle for Modus in terms of getting closer to having a product people want to buy. Mm. So, um, so that was great, but we're still not out of the woods. The next big breakthrough was that with the prototype we created, I was able to use that to convince a pharmaceutical company to give us our first clinical trial contract, which is huge. Because up until this point, Modus Health has not broken into the clinical trial market. Mm. And, um, and it was just based on the prototype from the grant. So it's kind of leveraging everything you got, you know, to kind of push it forward. And that was huge because I was very honest and transparent about the company with them. They knew mm. I was the only employee. They knew about um, the financial you know, struggles, but what we were working to do. And um, despite all that, um, you know, they chose us because we are the best in the world at measuring mobility. Mm. And we had proven that we could create um, a, mobile, a mobile app with cloud system for their program because they wanted a custom product. And mm. it was just about the capability that we had the connections to the right engineers and both app development and cloud development to do it. And uh, they did say without that, they, there's no way they could have trusted us there would have been too much of a um uh they would have been way too nervous you know because it was already a big leap of faith for them to choose us given how little we were <laughs> and uh that was the big one and when that um happened um i was hoping uh, our current uh board would reinvest um but they didn't mm. but uh, david boone the inventor of stepwatch really came through for me and he had a colleague and friend who was an angel investor and his name is Kirk Alexander. And in December, 2017, he provided an angel investment. Mm. Uh, that initial investment was um, $350,000. So not a lot, but that was enough to then leverage all we had done. So I could then take the money from the Pfizer contract to create this custom product combined with the money he provided. I could then make it a generic product that we could get, we could sell to other pharmaceutical companies. And yeah. that was the and then, then our revenue started um, multiplying, you know, like we five dexed it that year, you know, like, because then we got three bear contracts with that. And mm. now we had other contracts with other pharmaceutical companies um, from that base. And so it was, uh, without that, I would not have stayed because even with the grant, even with 
um, the Pfizer contract, we had to have outside funding to leverage all we had done to um, increase revenue so we could become cash flow positive. Mm. And uh, really excited to say uh, 2020 was our first cash flow positive year. So we are now at that point where we can support ourselves, which is a huge place to be from the board thinking we had no shot at it. So mm. very exciting. So now, so now you, you know, finally, or you, you know, reach cash flow positive, which, hey, that's a great place to be. And it's certainly, you know, a good milestone to hit as you're now looking forward to kind of 2020, you know, 2021 going forward, kind of the next six to 12 months. What does that look like for you or kind of where do, where do you see things heading? Absolutely. So my mantra through it all has always been to get Stepwatch into routine clinical care worldwide. I, I think I said that the first time I met, you know, the, the original investors at Schooner Capital, it was in my presentation. It's like the thing I've said over and over again, even when I was the only employee. And, um, and I genuinely believe in that. Um, and that's where we're going. And in mm-hmm. fact, we have um, uh, two hospital contracts already to use our product with our new clinical care software. We are being uh, tested at Prince of Wales Hospital in Sydney, Australia. Mm-hmm. And we have, um, we're in contracting with a U.S.-based hospital. So we're already kind of tackling the world in that respect. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm incredibly excited for that. So that, that's been my biggest motivation from the beginning. And mm-hmm. now it is, um, you know, continually, you know, listening and, and improving the product and catering, to, catering them to these different markets. They all require very different software and figuring mm-hmm. out how to be the most helpful and leveraging, you know, again, what we're best at the world at doing, and that's mobility, measuring mobility. So, so yeah, so I'm pretty excited. So we actually have a huge um, growth potential ahead of us. You know, this is just the beginning, but I love that it seems to be uh, the struggle is a little less every quarter, but not any less exciting. It's just now yeah. it's more about how do we le- continue leveraging and growing and fulfilling our customers' needs and getting new customers as opposed to sweating? Will we get paid this month? You know, so that part, that change and um, where you put your energy is fantastic. No, and I think that that sounds like you know a lot of a lot of exciting or you know good good experiences to, in the past and a lot of exciting things ahead. Yeah. Well, as we, you know, so now as we walk through your journey, as we or start to wrap mm-hmm. towards the end of the podcast, I always have two, two questions I ask. So we'll jump to those now, which is, so along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made and what did you learn from it? Sure. I think the worst decision I made was, um, I think back in October, 2016, when I knew that, okay, we're not closing the doors of Modus, you know, we're leaving them open to experiment. I I wish I had looked up from the work that I had in, right in front of me that I had to get done right then and looked at what am I going to need in the future to be successful? And had I done that, I would have asked, okay, where are all the company contracts? <laughs> you know, where are, um, where are all the pitch decks? You know, where are all of the um, uh, uh, cash flow models you know, that, that I knew the executive team had had before me? Mm. Um, I didn't ask for those things until I became CEO a year and a half later. Mm. Um, once, you know, we knew for, you know, once we took additional funding in and finding those materials was really, really challenging at that time. Cause after a year and a half, 
you know, I didn't realize the handoff is very different when you're handing off to wind down a company versus handing off to keep a company going. Mm. And um, I didn't know that. And I, I think I wish I had um, looked up from what I needed to accomplish imminently as to if I, what could I do now to make my job easier in the future? Mm. That part is kind of unique probably to, to, not to us necessarily, but not many companies or startups will be in that situation. Mm. But I think the broader point is um, always kind of think ahead a bit. So the way I'm trying to apply what I learned is right now I'm looking ahead and I'm saying, okay, if my dreams come true and we get a really large contract, um, what do I do if I don't have enough cash in the bank to build enough product to support that contract in a timely manner? How can I, so how can I work on solving that right now? So if that happens or when that happens in the future, I'm prepared. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have to, um, you know, so it's always occasionally need to look up and think about what could I do today? So in the future, when something I want happens, I'm ready for it. So no, I think that's both a, a, a lesson to learn or a mistake to be made as well as a good lesson to learn from it. So I, uh, that's certainly, I think, insightful. So now as we jump to the second question, which is if you were you know, talking to someone that's just getting to a startup, just getting into a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? Sure. So um, I would recommend uh, reading the book, um, Good to Great uh, by Jim Collins. I Love found that, that really book. helpful. I was lucky enough to have a, a PhD advisor that had me read it in grad school, which was great because I didn't, uh, I didn't know I'd ever been a leadership position at the time. So I think my thoughts were formed really pure before I had any, like, didn't have any sense of entitlement, you know, which is fantastic. So yeah. now that I'm in it, I can make, I can compare myself to my thoughts of myself back then and make sure, you know, I am you know, when there's pain points, exec, all the executives, but especially me, you know, endure the most of it, you know, take on the headwinds so that people working for you feel less of them, right? So, and I loved, um, find what you're best in the world at. And I loved his conversation on how, you know, I'm, I'm finding the right people. Mm. And uh, I, I thought that that has been a real good, uh, it's been a really great guiding post for me. Um, I've read a lot of other books too, um, but if I can only give one piece of advice, I'd say to read that. Mm. No, and I think that, you know, first of all, I love the the book, Good to Great. So I think that's an, an easy, simple takeaway, but it's, it's mm -hmm. certainly an insightful book. It gives you a lot of ideas of how to, to build a business that's sustainable, that will last and what that takes. So I think that's a, that's a great piece of advice. Well, as we wrap up and if people want to find out more, they want to be your customer, they want to be an investor, they want to be an employee, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to connect up with you or find out more? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you can just go to our, our website, modishelp.com and uh, just go to that contact email and I will get it. I still, still a lot of the phone numbers and emails still come to me because <laughs> we're still small. And um, I'd love to hear from anyone. Um, I still, uh, I still am very hands-on. So do a lot of training. I still help out a lot with tech support. And I love, but I love being the main interface between um, us and people who want to know more about Modus. So um, yeah, don't hesitate. All right. Well, I definitely encourage people to check, uh, check out Modus Health, find out more and, uh, and uh, or get involved. So 
Well, Terry, thank you for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners, if you want, if you have your own journey to tell and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, feel free to go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show. If you're a listener, also make sure to, one, click subscribe so you get notifications as all the awesome episodes come out, and two, leave us a review so that people can find us, or new people can find us. Last but not least, if you ever need help with patents or trademarks, feel free to reach out to us. We're always here to help. Just go to strategymeeting.com. Thank you again, Terry. It's been fun to have you on and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last. Thank you. I appreciate that. Have a great day. You too.